Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist for Morgan Stanley Research. And I'm Adam Vergadamo, U.S. Equity Strategist. And on this episode of the podcast, we'll be talking about a possible shift in U.S. consumer spending for 2021, along with some key themes for investors. It's Thursday, January 28th at 11 a.m. in New York. So, Ellen, as we look back to 2020, we saw consumer spending in the services category, things like dining, lodging, casino gaming, all take a big hit as the U.S. weathered COVID-19 lockdowns. At the same time, spending on goods actually soared. So as vaccines continue to roll out through 2021 and perhaps into next year, how do you see consumer spending trends evolving? You know, you pointed out that spending on goods, both durable and non-durable goods, really soared last year. And that's really what drove GDP overall. So the way I think about it for 2021 is a shift in growth leadership. So this is not a normal downturn. And COVID has hampered the services side of the economy. And so as we were opening up last year, we had a tremendous amount of pent-up demand come through for durable and non-durable goods, while services remained shuttered, at least for the high-density areas of the economy, and at least limited. And so this year really changes, right? We've met a lot of the pent-up demand in durable goods and non-durable goods spending, and services is where we can reap the most benefits, where the most pent-up demand for the longest has been building. And so as we move through the dissemination of the vaccine, by the middle of the year, the cloud of COVID won't have lifted, but at least it's thinning. And already before then, we think that economic activity will pick up and households will be seeking out those services. And so it's really the areas of the economy that fallen so far that will show the biggest recovery rates in 2021, and that's consumer spending on services. So as an economist, when you think about spending forecasts, I know there are a few variables economists tend to look at, right? Our U.S. housing team hosted an episode of the podcast just last week, and they're basically forecasting a continued strong housing recovery in the U.S. In your view, how is that going to affect the spending trends going forward? So it's a good question. I mean, that strong view on housing is a key component of our overall GDP forecast. You know, housing market has big tentacles that spread across the economy. It's a big job creator. There's a lot of home-related spending that goes on. It's no coincidence that last year with housing being so strong that that also provided a tailwind for durable goods and non-durable goods spending. So as we move into 2021, continued strength in housing will also provide support for durable goods and non-durable goods. And I guess if that's one key item I want to point out here, Adam, is it is all about the services sector picking up the most robustly this year. But that doesn't mean it comes at the expense of durable goods and non-durable goods. You've got a strengthening labor market. You've got a strong housing market. You've got the cloud of COVID lifting. And that helps lift all boats of consumer spending. Part of your work has shown that the amount of excess savings as a result of fiscal support to date, with potentially more on the way, has been such that the consumer balance sheet is actually remarkably strong. What does the data show? Maybe just walk us through how you're thinking about what excess savings means for the spending environment next year. Yeah, so this was a big factor in 2020. You know, when we passed the CARES Act that sent a lot of income to households, both in the form of rebate checks and all of the pandemic unemployment benefit programs and federal supplements programs, it created savings across all income groups. We got that income at a time when we couldn't spend it. Now we've gotten a $900 billion stimulus package in December that, as we speak, is sending out those rebate checks again, reinstating that federal supplemental unemployment benefit program. And we also expect another $1 trillion to be passed in early March that would include even more rebate checks and unemployment benefits, for example, as part of that. So that's a lot of support 
support for households. So just to give you a sense, you know, last year coming into the end of 2020, we still had about $1.4 to $1.5 trillion in excess savings. So over and above what would have been your typical rate of savings before those programs went into place. In the first quarter, on these new packages of fiscal support, you could see that grow to $2 trillion. And so we do think that's a lot of fuel added to the fire as the economy is opening up and pent-up demand is coming through for services. You're going to have a lot of fiscal oomph and buying power for households behind that. What about the labor market? Maybe some people are surprised to hear about the strength of the consumer balance sheet and excess savings, given what the headline unemployment statistics show. How are you thinking about the strength of the labor market in your forecast for spending into 2021? If I look at where the job losses have been, about 78% of the job losses since COVID hit the global economy have been in the service sector. So as the economy is opening up, you're going to see a good chunk of those jobs coming back. And that's going to help labor income. The services industries that have been impacted the hardest are those that are dominated by low-wage paying jobs. Those are the folks that have needed the most income support during this time to build that bridge until we bring jobs back. So really what the fiscal stimulus has been about has, again, been about building that bridge. Bridge. So you're transitioning people back onto labor income. And so that's really what gives households the better outlook for finances going forward because they're expecting the labor market to show a lot of improvement this year as the economy opens up. Folks really are, especially since the vaccine started getting rolled out, becoming more optimistic in terms of what the economy could hold later this year. So, Adam, you know, in your conversations with our sector analyst teams, you know, what are some of the key themes you're looking at connected to consumer spending in 2021? What I'd say people are focused on is two themes. The first, I would say, is reversion versus retention, right? So, in other words, the wallet share shifted in 2020. Over the course of 2021 and into 2022, how much of those shifts are going to prove to be permanent and how much is going to move back to kind of prior patterns of spending, The second key theme, I think, relates to the timing of that transition to the extent it occurs. And importantly, we don't expect the timing to occur equally across all industries that were affected by COVID. So here's how I think about breaking this down. What do we know? Thanks to all your work, we know that the consumer balance sheet is strong. We know that aggregate wages have rebounded back pretty nicely. And we know the bottom line is that there is money to be spent. What I'd say we don't know is how structural some of these changes are. So for example, If you started shopping online for groceries in 2020, like many of us did, when the world more likely or more fully reopens, how much of your shopping is going to go back to the stores? Is it 100%? Is it 50%? It's it's still unclear. The other thing we don't know is exactly when some of the wallet share reversion will take place. So we're seeing data on the vaccine rollout in real time. But it's really hard to know when most people are actually going to feel comfortable going back to some of those older spending patterns. People are optimistic they're going to be able to go back to bigger gatherings outdoor. But does the market start to really price more of that in in, say, March? Is it maybe in the late summer? And importantly, when is that going to actually flow through to the results of the companies? And I'd say that's what we're watching for data points because nobody's been here before. And and those are two key debates that I think are really hard to predict. So one other question I have for you, Adam, is around valuations. Now, we've been talking about the V-shaped recovery and our expectations there for quite some time, since about the middle of last year, really. But it's been more recent that investors have been pricing in the reopening and return to normal. So when did you really see this? 
this trend change and why? And you know, what sectors do you think have already priced in some of these consumer spending trends we're talking about? And what areas do you think there could still be some opportunities in? Well, I, I tell you, I think investors started to sniff around the reopening trades in the latter part of last year. But what really supercharged that in the market was the initial release of efficacy around Pfizer's vaccine. From there, the trades worked pretty well. You had a pretty powerful move in a very short time frame, actually. And when you fast forward to today, I think the answer in terms of which parts of the market are pricing in a recovery I think the answer, Ellen, is more sectors than you think. Um, now, it's a tricky question because it's not just the idea of reopening in isolation. You've got falling interest rates. That means it's not just a matter of comparing a stock's historical valuation or PE multiple to where it is today. You do have to do take into account the lower discount rate or the lower cost of capital. I think there's also a question for many sectors of which year's earnings do you want to put a multiple on? And what I mean by that is, in many cases, 2021 is it's still really a disrupted year, if you think about it, even if you think we're returning to normal by the end of the year. I'll give you an example. I mean, just think about business travel. It's nowhere close to prior peak, and I would argue it's not going to be for some time, certainly not for the full calendar year 2021. So many investors are now starting to look at 2022 as they think about what's the right number to kind of put a multiple on. So for us, what it comes down to is this. I think from here, we generally think the bulk of the alpha opportunity is going to lie at the individual security level. You really need to look for places where revenues and earnings can surprise to the upside. And a lot of that relates to those two themes I talked about earlier. How much of the wallet share shifts and when does it shift with the reopening? And at a again, from a market level, it may well be priced. It's really more about stock-specific alpha at this point. Thank you. Really helpful. So as always, great talking with you, Adam. And it was great talking with you, Alan. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share thoughts on the market with a friend or colleague today. The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or a solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you. 